Chapter Five of A Legend of Montrose. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. A Legend of Montrose by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter Five. Thereby so fearless and so fell he grew that his own sire and master of his guise did often tremble at his horrid view and if for dread of hurt would him advise the angry beasts not rashly to despise nor too much to provoke for he would learn the lions stoop to him in lowly wise a lesson hard and make the libbards stern leave roaring when in rage he for revenge did earn spencer notwithstanding the proverbial epicurism of the english proverbial that is to say in scotland at the period the english visitors made no figure whatever at the entertainment compared with the portentous veracity of captain dalgetty although that gallant soldier had already displayed much steadiness and pertinacity in his attack upon the lighter refreshment set before them at their entrance by way of forlorn hope he spoke to no one during the time of his meal and it was not until the victuals were nearly withdrawn from the table that he gratified the rest of the company who had watched him with some surprise with an account of the reasons why he ate so very fast and so very long the former quality he said he had acquired while he filled a place at the bursar's table at the marshal college of aberdeen when said he if you did not move your jaws as fast as a pair of castanets you were very unlikely to get anything to put between them and as for the quantity of my food be it known to this honourable company continued the captain that it's the duty of every commander of a fortress on all occasions which offer to secure as much munition and vivers as their magazines can possibly hold not knowing when they may have to sustain a siege or a blockade upon which principle gentlemen said he when a cavalier finds that provant is good and abundant he will in my estimation do wisely to victual himself for at least three days as there is no knowing when he may come by another meal the laird expressed his acquiescence in the prudence of this principle and recommended to the veteran to add a tass of brandy and a flagon of claret to the substantial provisions he had already laid in to which proposal the captain readily agreed when dinner was removed and the servants had withdrawn excepting the laird's page or henchman who remained in the apartment to call for or bring whatever was wanted or in a word to answer the purposes of a modern bell-wire the conversation began to turn upon politics and the state of the country and lord menteith inquired anxiously and particularly what clans were expected to join the proposed muster of the king's friends that depends much my lord on the person who lifts the banner said the laird for you know we highlanders when a few clans are assembled are not easily commanded by one of our own chiefs or to say the truth by any other buddy 
we have heard a rumour indeed that Calkiddo, that is young Calkiddo, or alister macdonald is come over the kyle from ireland with a body of the earl of antrim's people and that they had got as far as ardnamurchan they might have been here before now but i suppose they loitered to plunder the country as they came along will Kiddo not serve you for a leader then said lord menteith Kiddo, said allan macaulay scornfully who talks of Kiddo? there lives but one man whom we will follow and that is montrose but montrose sir said sir christopher hall has not been heard of since our ineffectual attempt to rise in the north of england it is thought he has returned to the king at oxford for farther instructions returned said allan with a scornful laugh i could tell ye but it is not worth my while ye will know soon enough by my honour allan said lord menteith you will weary out your friends with this intolerable froward and sullen humour but i know the reason added he laughing you have not seen annat lyle to-day whom did you say i had not seen said allan sternly annat lyle the fairy queen of song and minstrelsy said lord menteith would to god i were never to see her again said allan sighing on condition the same weird were laid on you and why on me said lord menteith carelessly because said allan it is written on your forehead that you are to be the ruin of each other so saying he rose up and left the room has he been long in this way asked lord menteith addressing his brother about three days answered angus the fit is well-nigh over and he will be better to-morrow but come gentlemen don't let the tappenhen scraw to be emptied the king's health king charles's health and may the covenanting dog that refuses it go to heaven by the road of the grass-market the health was quickly pledged and as fast succeeded by another and another and another all of a party cast and enforced in an earnest manner captain dalgetty however thought it necessary to enter a protest gentlemen cavaliers he said i drink these healths primo both out of respect to this honourable and hospitable roof-tree and secundo because i hold it not good to be precise in such matters inter pocula but i protest agreeable to the warrandice granted by this honourable lord that it shall be free to me notwithstanding my present complaisance to take service with the covenanters to-morrow providing i shall be so minded macaulay and his english guests stared at this declaration which would have certainly bred new disturbance if lord menteith had not taken up the affair and explained the circumstances and conditions i trust he concluded we shall be able to secure captain dalgetty's assistance to our own party and if not said the laird i protest as the captain says that nothing that has passed this evening not even his having eaten my bread and salt and pledged me in brandy bordeaux or usquebaugh shall prejudice my cleaving him to the neck-bone you shall be heartily welcome said the captain providing my sword cannot keep my head 
which it has done in worse dangers than your fend is likely to make for me here lord menteith again interposed and the concord of the company being with no small difficulty restored was cemented by some deep carouses lord menteith however contrived to break up the party earlier than was the usage of the castle under pretence of fatigue and indisposition this was somewhat to the disappointment of the valiant captain who among other habits acquired in the low countries had acquired both a disposition to drink and a capacity to bear an exorbitant quantity of strong liquors their landlord ushered them in person to a sort of sleeping-gallery in which there was a four-post bed with tartan curtains and a number of cribs or long hampers placed along the wall three of which well stuffed with blooming heather were prepared for the reception of guests i need not tell your lordship said macaulay to lord menteith a little apart our highland mode of quartering only that not liking you should sleep in the room alone with this german landlauper i have caused your servants beds to be made here in the gallery by god my lord these are times when men go to bed with a throat hale and sound as ever swallowed brandy and before next morning it may be gaping like an oyster-shell lord menteith thanked him sincerely saying it was just the arrangement he would have requested for although he had not the least apprehension of violence from captain dalgetty yet anderson was a better kind of person a sort of gentleman whom he always liked to have near his person i have not seen this anderson said macaulay did you hire him in england i did so said lord menteith you will see the man to-morrow in the meantime i wish you good-night his host left the apartment after the evening salutation and was about to pay the same compliment to captain dalgetty but observing him deeply engaged in the discussion of a huge pitcher filled with brandy posset he thought it a pity to disturb him in so laudable an employment and took his leave without farther ceremony lord menteith's two attendants entered the apartment almost immediately after his departure the good captain who was now somewhat encumbered with his good cheer began to find the undoing of the clasps of his armour a task somewhat difficult and addressed anderson in these words interrupted by a slight hiccup anderson my good friend you may read in scripture that he that putteth off his armour should not boast himself like he that putteth it on i believe that is not the right word of command but the plain truth of it is i am like to sleep in my corslet like many an honest fellow that never waked again unless you unloose this buckle undo his armour sibald said anderson to the other servant by st andrew exclaimed the captain turning round in great astonishment here's a common fellow a stipendiary with four pounds a year and a livery cloak thinks himself too good to serve ritmaster dugal dalgetty of drumthwacket who has studied humanity at the marischal college of aberdeen and served half the princes of europe captain dalgetty said lord menteith whose lot it was to stand peacemaker throughout the evening please to understand that anderson waits upon no one but myself 
and i will help sibbald to undo your corslet with much pleasure too much trouble for you my lord said dalgetty and yet it would do you no harm to practise how a handsome harness is put on and put off i can step in and out of mine like a glove only to-night although not ebrius i am in the classic phrase vino sibok gravitus by this time he was unshelled and stood before the fire musing with a face of drunken wisdom on the events of the evening what seemed chiefly to interest him was the character of allan macaulay to come over the englishmen so cleverly with his highland torch-bearers eight bare-breeched rories for six silver candlesticks it was a masterpiece a tour de passe it was perfect legerdemain and to be a madman after all i doubt greatly my lord shaking his head that i must allow him notwithstanding his relationship to your lordship the privileges of a rational person and either betune him sufficiently to expiate the violence offered to my person or else bring it to a matter of mortal arbitrament as becometh an insulted cavalier if you care to hear a long story said lord menteith at this time of night i can tell you how the circumstances of allan's birth account so well for his singular character as to put such satisfaction entirely out of the question a long story my lord said captain dalgetty is next to a good evening draught and a warm nightcap the best shoeing-horn for drawing on a sound sleep and since your lordship is pleased to take the trouble to tell it i shall rest your patient and obliged auditor anderson said lord menteith and you sibbald are dying to hear i suppose of this strange man too and i believe i must indulge your curiosity that you may know how to behave to him in time of need you had better step to the fire then having thus assembled an audience about him lord menteith sat down upon the edge of the four-post bed while captain dalgetty wiping the relics of the posset from his beard and moustachios and repeating the first verse of the lutheran psalm al guter geister loben der herrn etc rolled himself into one of the places of repose and thrusting his shock pate from between the blankets listened to lord menteith's relation in a most luxurious state between sleeping and waking the father said lord menteith of the two brothers angus and allan macaulay was a gentleman of consideration and family being the chief of a highland clan of good account though not numerous his lady the mother of these young men was a gentlewoman of good family if i may be permitted to say so of one nearly connected with my own her brother an honourable and spirited young man obtained from james the sixth a grant of forestry and other privileges over a royal chase adjacent to this castle and in exercising and defending these rights he was so unfortunate as to involve himself in a quarrel with some of our highland freebooters or caterans of whom i think captain dalgetty you must have heard and that i have said the captain exerting himself to answer the appeal before i left the marischal college of aberdeen dugald gar was playing the devil in the garioch 
and the farcarsons on d side and the clan chatton on the gordon's lands and the grants and camerons in moray land and since that i have seen the cravats and pandors in pannonia and transylvania and the cossacks from the polish frontier and robbers banditti and barbarians of all countries besides so that i have a distinct idea of your broken highlandmen the clan said lord menteith with whom the maternal uncle of the macaulays had been placed in feud was a small sept of banditti called from their houseless state and their incessantly wandering among the mountains and glens the children of the mist they are a fierce and hardy people with all the irritability and wild and vengeful passions proper to men who have never known the restraint of civilized society a party of them lay in wait for the unfortunate warden of the forest surprising him while hunting alone and unattended and slew him with every circumstance of inventive cruelty they cut off his head and resolved in a bravado to exhibit it at the castle of his brother-in-law the laird was absent and the lady reluctantly received as guests men against whom perhaps she was afraid to shut her gates refreshments were placed before the children of the mist who took an opportunity to take the head of their victim from the plaid in which it was wrapped placed it on the table put a piece of bread between the lifeless jaws bidding them to do their office now since many a good meal they had eaten at that table the lady who had been absent for some household purpose entered at this moment and upon beholding her brother's head fled like an arrow out of the house into the woods uttering shriek upon shriek the ruffians satisfied with this savage triumph withdrew the terrified menials after overcoming the alarm to which they had been subjected sought their unfortunate mistress in every direction but she was nowhere to be found the miserable husband returned next day and with the assistance of his people undertook a more anxious and distant search but to equally little purpose it was believed universally that in the ecstasy of her terror she must either have thrown herself over one of the numerous precipices which overhang the river or into a deep lake about a mile from the castle her loss was the more lamented as she was six months advanced in her pregnancy angus macaulay her oldest son having been born about eighteen months before but i tire you captain dalgetty and you seem inclined to sleep by no means answered the soldier i am no whit somnolent i always hear best with my eyes shut it is a fashion i learned when i stood sentinel and i dare say said lord menteith aside to anderson the weight of the halberd of the sergeant of the rounds often made him open them being apparently however in the humour of story-telling the young nobleman went on addressing himself chiefly to his servants without minding the slumbering veteran every baron in the country said he now swore revenge for this dreadful crime they took arms with the relations and brother-in-law of the murdered person and the children of the mist were hunted down i believe with as little mercy as they had themselves manifested seventeen heads 
the bloody trophies of their vengeance were distributed among the allies and fed the crows upon the gates of their castles the survivors sought out more distant wildernesses to which they retreated to your right hand countermarch and retreat to your former ground said captain dalgetty the military phrase having produced the correspondent word of command and then starting up professed he had been profoundly attentive to every word that had been spoken it is the custom in summer said lord menteith without attending to his apology to send the cows to the upland pastures to have the benefit of the grass and the maids of the village and of the family go there to milk them in the morning and evening while thus employed the females of this family to their great terror perceived that their motions were watched at a distance by a pale thin meagre figure bearing a strong resemblance to their deceased mistress and passing of course for her apparition when some of the boldest resolved to approach this faded form it fled from them into the woods with a wild shriek the husband informed of this circumstance came up to the glen with some attendants and took his measures so well as to intercept the retreat of the unhappy fugitive and to secure the person of his unfortunate lady though her intellect proved to be totally deranged how she supported herself during her wandering in the woods could not be known some supposed she lived upon roots and wild berries with which the woods at that season abounded but the greater part of the vulgar were satisfied that she must have subsisted upon the milk of the wild does or been nourished by the fairies or supported in some manner equally marvellous her reappearance was more easily accounted for she had seen from the thicket the milking of the cows to superintend which had been her favourite domestic employment and the habit had prevailed even in her deranged state of mind in due season the unfortunate lady was delivered of a boy who not only showed no appearance of having suffered from his mother's calamities but appeared to be an infant of uncommon health and strength the unhappy mother after her confinement recovered her reason at least in a great measure but never her health and spirits allan was her only joy her attention to him was unremitting and unquestionably she must have impressed upon his early mind many of those superstitious ideas to which his moody and enthusiastic temper gave so ready a reception she died when he was about ten years old her last words were spoken to him in private but there is little doubt that they conveyed an injunction of vengeance upon the children of the mist with which he has since amply complied from this moment the habits of allan macaulay were totally changed he had hitherto been his mother's constant companion listening to her dreams and repeating his own and feeding his imagination which probably from the circumstances preceding his birth was constitutionally deranged with all the wild and terrible superstitions so common to the mountaineers to which his unfortunate mother had become much addicted since her brother's death by living in this manner the boy had gotten a timid wild startled look 
loved to seek out solitary places in the woods and was never so much terrified as by the approach of children of the same age i remember although some years younger being brought up here by my father upon a visit nor can i forget the astonishment with which i saw this infant hermit shun every attempt i made to engage him in the sports natural to our age i can remember his father bewailing his disposition to mine and alleging at the same time that it was impossible for him to take from his wife the company of the boy as he seemed to be the only consolation that remained to her in this world and as the amusement which allan's society afforded her seemed to prevent the recurrence at least in its full force of that fearful malady by which she had been visited but after the death of his mother the habits and manners of the boy seemed at once to change it is true he remained as thoughtful and serious as before and long fits of silence and abstraction showed plainly that his disposition in this respect was in no degree altered but at other times he sought out the rendezvous of the youth of the clan which he had hitherto seemed anxious to avoid he took share in all their exercises and from his very extraordinary personal strength soon excelled his brother and other youths whose age considerably exceeded his own they who had hitherto held him in contempt now feared if they did not love him and instead of allan's being esteemed a dreaming womanish and feeble-minded boy those who encountered him in sports or military exercise now complained that when heated by the strife he was too apt to turn game into earnest and to forget that he was only engaged in a friendly trial of strength but i speak to regardless ears said lord menteith interrupting himself for the captain's nose now gave the most indisputable signs that he was fast locked in the arms of oblivion if you mean the ears of that snorting swine my lord said anderson they are indeed shut to anything that you can say nevertheless this place being unfit for more private conference i hope you will have the goodness to proceed for sibald's benefit and for mine the history of this poor young fellow has a deep and wild interest in it you must know then proceeded lord menteith that allan continued to increase in strength and activity till his fifteenth year about which time he assumed a total independence of character and impatience of control which much alarmed his surviving parent he was absent in the woods for whole days and nights under pretence of hunting though he did not always bring home game his father was the more alarmed because several of the children of the mist encouraged by the increasing troubles of the state had ventured back to their old haunts nor did he think it altogether safe to renew any attack upon them the risk of allan in his wanderings sustaining injury from these vindictive freebooters was a perpetual source of apprehension i was myself upon a visit to the castle when this matter was brought to a crisis allan had been absent since daybreak in the woods where i had sought for him in vain it was a dark stormy night and he did not return 
his father expressed the utmost anxiety and spoke of detaching a party at the dawn of morning in quest of him when as we were sitting at the supper-table the door suddenly opened and allan entered the room with a proud firm and confident air his intractability of temper as well as the unsettled state of his mind had such an influence over his father that he suppressed all other tokens of displeasure excepting the observation that i had killed a fat buck and had returned before sunset while he supposed allan who had been on the hill till midnight had returned with empty hands are you sure of that said allan fiercely here is something will tell you another tale we now observed his hands were bloody and that there were spots of blood on his face and waited the issue with impatience when suddenly undoing the corner of his plaid he rolled down on the table a human head bloody and new severed saying at the same time lie thou where the head of a better man lay before ye from the haggard features and matted red hair and beard partly grizzled with age his father and others present recognized the head of hector of the mist a well-known leader among the outlaws redoubted for strength and ferocity who had been active in the murder of the unfortunate forester uncle to allan and had escaped by a desperate defence and extraordinary agility when so many of his companions were destroyed we were all it may be believed struck with surprise but allan refused to gratify our curiosity and we only conjectured that he must have overcome the outlaw after a desperate struggle because we discovered that he had sustained several wounds from the contest all measures were now taken to ensure him against the vengeance of the freebooters but neither his wounds nor the positive command of his father nor even the locking of the gates of the castle and the doors of his apartment were precautions adequate to prevent allan from seeking out the very persons to whom he was peculiarly obnoxious he made his escape by night from the window of the apartment and laughing at his father's vain care produced on one occasion the head of one and upon another those of two of the children of the mist at length these men fierce as they were became appalled by the inveterate animosity and audacity with which allan sought out their recesses as he never hesitated to encounter any odds they concluded that he must bear a charmed life or fight under the guardianship of some supernatural influence neither gun dirk nor dorlac dorlac quiver literally satchel of arrows they said availed aught against him they imputed this to the remarkable circumstances under which he was born and at length five or six of the stoutest caterans of the highlands would have fled at allan's halloo or the blast of his horn in the meanwhile however the children of the mist carried on their old trade and did the macaulays as well as their kinsmen and allies as much mischief as they could this provoked another expedition against the tribe in which i had my share we surprised them effectually by besetting at once the upper and under passes of the country and made such clean work 
as is usual on these occasions burning and slaying right before us in this terrible species of war even the females and the helpless do not always escape one little maiden alone who smiled upon allan's drawn dirk escaped his vengeance upon my earnest entreaty she was brought to the castle and here bred up under the name of annet lyle the most beautiful little fairy certainly that ever danced upon a heath by moonlight it was long ere allan could endure the presence of the child until it occurred to his imagination from her features perhaps that she did not belong to the hated blood of his enemies but had become their captive in some of their incursions a circumstance not in itself impossible but in which he believes as firmly as in holy writ he is particularly delighted by her skill in music which is so exquisite that she far exceeds the best performers in this country in playing on the clairsac or harp it was discovered that this produced upon the disturbed spirits of allan in his gloomiest moods beneficial effects similar to those experienced by the jewish monarch of old and so engaging is the temper of annet lyle so fascinating the innocence and gaiety of her disposition that she is considered and treated in the castle rather as the sister of the proprietor than as a dependent upon his charity indeed it is impossible for any one to see her without being deeply interested by the ingenuity liveliness and sweetness of her disposition take care my lord said anderson smiling there is danger in such violent commendations allan m'aulay as your lordship describes him would prove no very safe rival pooh pooh said lord menteith laughing yet blushing at the same time allan is not accessible to the passion of love and for myself said he more gravely annet's unknown birth is a sufficient reason against serious designs and her unprotected state precludes every other it is spoken like yourself my lord said anderson but i trust you will proceed with your interesting story it is well-nigh finished said lord menteith i have only to add that from the great strength and courage of allan m'aulay from his energetic and uncontrollable disposition and from an opinion generally entertained and encouraged by himself that he holds communion with supernatural beings and can predict future events the clan pay a much greater degree of deference to him than even to his brother who is a bold-hearted rattling highlander but with nothing which can possibly rival the extraordinary character of his younger brother such a character said anderson cannot but have the deepest effect on the minds of a highland host we must secure allan my lord at all events what between his bravery and his second sight hush said lord menteith that owl is awaking do you talk of the second sight or deuteroscopia said the soldier i remember memorable major munro telling me how murdoch mackenzie born in assent a private gentleman in a company and a pretty soldier foretold the death of donald tough a lockaber man and certain other persons as well as the hurt of the major himself 
at a sudden onfall at the siege of Trailsund. i have often heard of this faculty observed anderson but i have always thought those pretending to it were either enthusiasts or impostors i should be loath said lord menteith to apply either character to my kinsman allan macaulay he has shown on many occasions too much acuteness and sense of which you this night had an instance for the character of an enthusiast and his high sense of honour and manliness of disposition free him from the charge of imposture your lordship then said anderson is a believer in his supernatural attributes by no means said the young nobleman i think that he persuades himself that the predictions which are in reality the result of judgment and reflection are supernatural impressions on his mind just as fanatics conceive the workings of their own imagination to be divine inspiration at least if this will not serve you anderson i have no better explanation to give and it is time we were all asleep after the toilsome journey of the day End of chapter five